You've read the books. You've learned the rules. You've played the games. And so is your mom. Just making sure you're paying attention. Now, it's time for something completely off base. From the same guys who haven't done anything exciting yet are the Paladins of Podcast, Rob and Potato. Listen in as they talk about all things related to pen and paper games, challenge rules, and go off script. This is the high fantasy commentary you didn't ask for, but your mom did. (laughs) This is the Epic Table Audio Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Epic Table Games Audio Show with your Paladism Podcast, Robin Potato. What's up, doing, Rob? Potato? <laughs> Not too much, man. Not too much. I uh, I wanted to make an announcement before we got, got started and get too carried away. All right? By all means. All right. So I just realized that we had some technical difficulties with the podcast episode that was supposed to be released on January 29th. It never got posted. Yeah, how, how did that happen? Well, uh, we got it done. We got it edit. We did the edits. And apparently I saved it as a draft instead of hitting schedule for our normal release day. Uh, that's, not, that's not a big deal, though, I don't think. No, but it's the first episode that we have missed, and hopefully it's the last. <laughs> hopefully it's last. <laughs> yeah, but we, we're we not really a tech podcast, are we, Potato? No, we're not. We're not professional podcasts either. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> what do you mean? We've got 26 episodes in already. 27 by the time that one comes out. Yeah, it's been, been how long now? It's amazing. Yeah, honestly, we've been going at it for at least half a year, so six months in. This is actually a, it's been a real fun journey for us, I think. Yeah, yeah, and I can't wait for that explosion that every other podcast gets. It'll be, well, be super humbling as well. Absolutely, and I think that the two things that we need to do to get to that point are, A, tell more people about it, and B, have our listeners tell more people about it. Otherwise, we're just podcasting for like seven people. That's right. That's right. It's like doing a uh, stand-up comedy routine with your family members at home. <laughs> Bro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so today I wanted to talk a little bit about some artwork because everybody looks through fantasy books and they seem to love the artwork. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I want to kind of stand on my, my usual soapbox and I hate to do it yet again, but we're not getting through to people. It's it's ridiculous, but but whatever. And uh, you said that you have a uh, a character spotlight today or a monster spotlight? Uh, I'd be a monster spotlight. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be a good one. Can't wait to talk about it. All right. Well, uh, so we don't waste any more time. Let's kind of kind of jump into this artwork idea because you and I were really cautious about wanting to talk about artwork. Because as a podcast, all we have are words. And right. people yeah, people can't see what we're talking about. Yeah, look um, at this. It looks so good. <laughs> right. So one of the reasons that we really thought about it is because I was showing you the, the rules for the Lamentations of the Flame Princess. 
Yes. And in that book, there is an image of a grotesquely obese woman giving birth to an alligator creature. And <laughs> one of them is nursing as babies do. Again, uh, funny alligator creature. And none of the images are censored whatsoever. Yeah, it's it's very dark and gruesome and very well detailed. And the image right. itself is is so jarring to see in a book that you're going to be playing a game with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can definitely agree with that when it comes to that particular game. Because um, when you hand me the book, you're like, so there's one page that is completely ridiculous, and this and that. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I'll, I'll find it. I'm flipping and flipping. I'm like, is this the page? <laughs> I, I remember you said that once, and I looked at it. I said, potato, you're going to know when you get to that page. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it really got me thinking, because a lot of tabletop RPG core rule books or rule sets have very distinct art forms. Um, yeah, it really helps uh, tell them apart and stand out. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say that I really started falling in love with the artwork from Dungeons and Dragons 3rd Edition. That's kind of when everything moved to that really fine art style with uh, it, it, everything really looked like oil paintings, essentially. Highly detailed oil paintings, as though, um, you know, oh my God, I can't believe I just lost the uh, the name of the artist. He's a famous comic book artist. Uh, Jack Kirby. No, no, I mean, <laughs> as, as fun as that would be. Um, it, it's, it's funny, too, because his name is uh, Alex Ross. And... I was going to say Bob Ross because of uh, the fact <laughs> that they share the last name Ross. But the this fact is, is be a happy Bush. It's not going to be a mimic. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but so much of the artwork looked like a lot of Alex Ross's comic book art. It was highly detailed, very well colored. The lighting schemes were fantastic. and. I've noticed that fantasy kind of like middle earth fantasy has very similar art styles. And I, yeah, that's like, true. I, I love the pathfinder artwork, etc. And really we have a great topic to talk about here because if you think about it, there are books and volumes of books that are dedicated specifically to artwork of certain games like the art of warcraft or the uh, the art of assassin's creed the art of oh Street that's Fighter. true that's right and i know that when we think about that those are really video games but still even wizards of the coast have had an art of dungeons and dragons book they well, so, when was this um i don't remember when i just remember seeing it in <laughs> in barnes and noble Oh, oh, so so it wasn't like like the olden like like third edition or anything like that. It's like fifth edition art book. Uh, actually, it depends on. I think it depends on where you're looking. For instance, art in Arcana is a uh, 
a visual history of D&D. Oh. And that's, that's a little bit older, actually. I think that... God. When, you know, it says 2018 when it was uh, released, but it, I swear that there was one a little earlier than that. But any, anyhow. <coughs> Excuse me. The the artwork that's there is is fantastic. So there is enough art appreciation in the communities that it's one of those things where I, I think that we should definitely pay homage to it. And everybody looks at the pictures first. Be honest. That's true. You know, like, oh, man, I want to play this Dragonborn because I like the way he looks. He's a total badass. Right, right. Exactly. That's the reason why I... Uh... And my first character when he first started playing be a druid because I thought the druid looked really cool with the tiger next to him. Right, right, for sure. Um, now, when we talked about uh, the Lamentations of the Flame Princess, we <clears throat> noticed that there were actually what looked like three distinct art styles in that book. Many of it was very thick and heavy outline, black and white. Um, I don't want to say simplistic, but the illustrations were not super detailed. They were detailed enough to tell what they were. It was kind of like a coloring book, but better. Yes. And then the other style that they had was very similar to fine line artwork with a lot of details, kind of like your adult grown-up coloring books. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if there was multiple artists that did work for that book. Uh, it's likely I haven't looked at the credits into the book like I should have for this episode. Um, but I want to say that there are different artists because just like old school fantasy novels in the middle of this rule book, there are about six to eight pages of full page, full color illustrations. Oh, that's super cool. It is. It's, it's really neat. And again, it harkens to a time where artwork is super important. And I like how they condensed it into a certain area like a lot of old books did. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel the way that they did it, having to be in the middle of the book, really helps for you to be engaged and keep reading past all the illustrations because now you get a better visual for what's to come. Yeah. yeah Amazing. Absolutely. Now, uh, because I got Google pulled up right here, uh, somebody had asked, it says, is Dungeons and Dragons in art? And uh, the answer is going to surprise you. What do you think it is? Uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. For what it's worth, 17 out of 20 respondents agreed that, yes, role-playing games are an art form. It is. It's a, it's a social art form. Right. Right. Now, uh, yeah, I mean, you're making stories and whatnot. Of course, that's art. Absolutely. And it's it's funny because as we're talking about the illustrations that we see, and you kind of mentioned Jack Kirby, I would <laughs> I would really like to see some famous, well, not even just famous, but some of my favorite um, comic illustrators and color artists really do some illustrations in my uh, in my other favorite mediums. I mean, honestly, I'd like to see Todd McFarlane illustrate an entire. Um, core rule book for something or like Apollo. Cool. Absolutely. You know. Oh yeah. Um there is a comic book that 
Uh, it it was, I'll say, kind of small. Not a whole lot of people knew about it. It was done by Fireman Press and eventually uh, brought in by, to Image Comics. 24 issues. And it was created by Rob Schrab. And I really love it. It was Scud the Disposable Assassin. I never heard of that. <laughs> yeah. And so could be even though we're not really a comic podcast here um the the potential to bring more potential fans into something else i like is is cool but the plot for scud the disposable assassin is scud is a assassin you can purchase out of a vending machine and he is a robot that will self-terminate after uh killing the target that's cool yeah so he ends up seeing his self-destruct warning uh on his back in a mirror or something while he's fighting his target and instead of killing his target he wounds him bad enough to put him on life support at a nearby hospital (laughs) so he doesn't actually self-destruct and that's smart (laughs) and the rest of the series is pretty much him picking up missions to pay for those those medical bills <laughs> that's a really um, neat idea i like that it is and i love the art style it's fun it's kind of loose and it definitely has a 90s feel to it but i mean then again it was published from 94 to 98 you know oh, okay um very similar to if you had like rob lightfield do uh do anything they you know they're gonna have huge chests and excessive amounts of yeah, utility belt packs and small feet. When or, you said when you said that name, I instantly thought of the Captain America. Right, right. Everybody chest. thinks <laughs> everybody thinks of how bad Captain America was, and nobody credits the fact that they all love Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, can I tell you a story about Jack Kirby? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, it was my third year going to Comic Con. It was actually my last year as well because everything got busy after that, sadly. Um, It was me and my wife, and I brought my brother with me. We're walking through the the vendor aisles, and we're seeing, you know, celebrities and this and that, and the the talking booths and stuff. And in the middle of one of these aisles was a stand with all these, you know, artist renderings and comic book uh, paperwork and whatnot. (laughs) Yeah. And this old guy is sitting there, and he goes, Oh hi! Uh, you know who I am, right? I'm Jack Kirby. You know, I I made all the artwork for Stan Lee, and I go, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, cool. Just being super awkward, and I didn't believe him. He's like, no, no, it's me. I'm I'm Jack Kirby. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You made you made all the superheroes, huh? Oh, not not Stan Lee. He goes, yeah, I made them. I drew them. Want want to buy some mm-hmm. of my paperwork? I'm like. Nah, how much? He goes, oh, $50 for this page, $100 for that page. I go, ah, nice seeing you. Goodbye. <laughs> and then I walked away, and I'm like, Jack Kirby. At the time, I didn't know who that, I never heard that name before. Are you Jack serious? Kirby, yeah. And Jack Kirby, I looked, uh, I looked up on my phone, I'm like, oh, my God, I felt dead. I'm like, I am such a moron. I should have not only talked his ear off, but I should have hugged him before I left. I I, I beat myself up about that almost every other day. <laughs> that's, wow. That's, that's yeah. funny. 
I felt so ashamed when I found out the the fallacy, the the foolish antic that I made. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Ha <laughs> ha Sure you are. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what's funnier in that story is your initial reaction of ha ha. Sure, yeah, you are. Was really, I mean, a you had no idea when you said it. Yeah, you really didn't have a clue of who he was anyway. Exactly, so, exactly. I, I was in a weird social position where I just did not know what to do, and I wanted to be as polite as I could and leave. <laughs> that's, that's funny. I that's definitely really... didn't want to get scammed if he wasn't who he said he was. You know what I mean? I felt well, you so know, you bad a, about myself. You had a smartphone back then. You could have at least looked him up. Oh, I, sure, sure. But to look him up in front of him felt a little rude. <laughs> well, I mean... I think he probably would have just assumed that you weren't familiar with a lot of comic books. Honestly, if I could replay that time, I could, I would have done it completely differently. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Heck, sure. uh, at that Comic-Con, I also saw Kevin Sorbo. I yelled nice. at him across the way. I'm like, call the conqueror. And he's waving to me when it tells me to come over there. I'm like, Nah, no, thank you. Have a good day. I'm like, I don't want to talk to him. Uh, I made it made me all jittery. You know what I mean? <laughs> Why did you not want to talk to Kevin Sorbo? <laughs> because I don't know. For 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 me in that my situation, that was the first actual celebrity being that close to me that I knew of, other than Jack Kirby, which I wish I knew. Um, and I instantly had that that jittery feeling. I'm like, I am going to act like an idiot if I went to go talk to him. So I'm just going to wave and walk away. <laughs> Sure. Now, now I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do this, and I'm sorry. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna tear me up about this, aren't you? <laughs> no, no. When did you go to Comic Con? Uh, that that particular year. Let's see. Yeah. That was 2016, maybe. I want to say 2016, maybe 2017. Really hard to say. I want to say 2016, though. Okay. Okay. Um, I could Jack be wrong. Kirby, the co-creator of legendary hits like the Fantastic Four, Hulk, Thor, and the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, his official biography says that he has passed away in 1994. <laughs> so I was right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Oh my God. Thank you for that revelation. It's it's not a problem. So <laughs> honestly, very may well have uh, either dodged a bullet or you were talking up with somebody's ghost. You know, uh, I think I dodged a bullet. Then honestly, I mean the guy oh, looked right. like him when I looked up Jack Kirby. The guy definitely looked like him. So I, I didn't look into his biography though. <laughs> sure, that was just a quick search. Uh, you know, honestly, as much as I grew up on comic books and everything, Stan Lee's name is always what popped up first. Um, in fact, while Jack Kirby's name was popular, I actually knew more about um, Ari Arad. I think Avi. Avi. There, it's Avi. <clears throat> Avi Arad. Um, who was also with Marvel Comics for a long time. And he part of the uh, the toy biz, as it says, he did a lot of work on the old school cartoons and everything. So his name popped up 
in executive producer positions. In fact, you still see him a lot on Marvel movies. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. So, um, I actually knew more about Avi and Stan Lee than I did Jack Kirby, which is funny. <laughs> but I mean, kind kind of like when you when you get into something, you kind of follow it to its to its completion, essentially. Yeah. That's why. That's why I really when I when I found Spawn, for example, and Image Comics, it was Todd McFarlane, and I followed that all the way through until. It was so massive, I couldn't keep up with all the different lines anymore. Right, right. Yeah, that leads me up to the thing with Todd McFarlane as well. When I found out who he was and that he was behind Spawn, I followed him as well. But I followed more about what he did with the toy lines, with his, his mm. figures and everything. He, did, he does an amazing job. Yeah, He made yeah. figures for Soul Calibur, Mortal Kombat, and this and that. It's so cool. Well, when his toy line started, I mean, there was nothing that was really that well detailed and highly polished, realistic looking. It was above and beyond what everything else was at the time. Exactly. And then on, on top of it, it was also rather affordable for what it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember my first figure from Todd McFarlane we got at the mall when I was like, I don't know, maybe in fifth grade, I want to say, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe sixth grade. And it was it was this cool, big purple dude from Final Fantasy. And it had his name on there. I thought it was a Spawn character because of the logo at first. But it okay. was so cool. One of my most favorite toys I ever had. Never had a toy like that again until I got a job. That's funny. <laughs> that's that's really funny. Um. All right. So I want to jump up on my on my soapbox yet again. Oh, Segway. It, dude, it's not even a segue. This is like a hard transition because I just <laughs> read a small, a small note from somebody talking about the, the players in their game. And it was linked to another note that sounded like it was about the DM from the player's perspective. And it was, I shit you not a total mess. <laughs> <laughs> So the gist of this, and I think after this point, I have got to stop reading RPG horror stories on Reddit because it's irritating me. It's good. It's good to read. But yet again, I I agree with you. It's like, who are these people? (laughs) Oh, my God. Who are these people? Oh, my God. (laughs) So one of them, and I can usually not comment, right? I can keep my mouth shut on the Internet, which has to be a good thing. Um. When you're on any sort of public, yeah, and when you're on any sort of public forum, you have to be able to really um, kind of stay out of the limelight, especially when you do something like you and I do with our podcast. We don't want to, we don't want to make waves and piss anybody off, but we still have to be true to ourselves. Exactly. And anyhow, I was reading, and this player was looking for advice on how to get more out of his DM. <laughs> get more out of his DM in what way? <laughs> he wanted more well-developed maps. He wanted character NPC character backstories. He wanted <laughs> family trees. He wanted uh just more effort from his DM. Who it... 
Go ahead. Yeah, continue. Continue. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Wanted more effort from his DM, who was already really busy in his life, already making maps, already establishing interesting NPCs. Uh, it just happened to be that <clears throat> there are a few instances this particular player asked for more information, and there just wasn't any available. If this player really wanted all this work and effort and content for a game that he's playing in, go talk to Matt Mercer then. Um, <laughs> well, he should pull the sounding rod out of his dick hole at this point because <laughs> um, the, the absolute fact is, is that if you're playing a game like Dungeons and Dragons, and when I say playing a game like, I do not mean a fantasy-based game. I do not mean a just even a tabletop RPG game. I mean when you are playing a collaborative storytelling game where somebody puts the time and effort into creating the story, you do not bitch about it not being enough. Exactly. It, um, it's so arrogant. It is. And then to think about what kind of shit this player himself is thinking about. Like, man, I'm going to go into this random magic shop, right? That'd be like, uh, you've seen The Sorcerer's Apprentice with Nicolas Cage? Yeah. Um, so. My boy Cage. He had, yeah, he had the shop, the Arcana Cabana. Mm-hmm. Now let's say it's a random shop in D&D, okay? I'm just going to use right. the name because I like it. Let's say you go into the Arcana Cabana and there is no shopkeep around, but you hear a slight rattling from an expensive-looking porcelain vase. And your player says, well, what kind of shop owner would own this place? Obviously, A, some sort of magic caster. Well, <laughs> I'd like to go back out to the street and find his family and see if he needs anything. Like, you know, I didn't have that shit prepared. Okay. Yeah. You're yeah. you're at the stupid shop that I just named. And I put a plot hook I found interesting. Like, it's <laughs> it's not that I haven't developed this, it's that this plot hook made sense. Yeah. Yeah. The the whiplash decisions that players make, you cannot then expect that I've developed all of that for you. <laughs> right. Right. Like, oh man, what's up? We're, we're we're beeping and bopping over here, all right? Bobbing and weaving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh, hey, what's Balthazar's, uh, what's his family tree look like? You know what? I don't know. Well, I think <laughs> you should put some more effort into this character if you've named him. You asked what his name was, a-hole, okay? <laughs> I just pulled the name up. Seriously, right. and I, I know that there are some DMs who will go above and beyond, and I'm not saying that they should or shouldn't. I'm saying that a player should not expect more out of the DM. And by the end of the post, he's already talked to the DM about this like it's a real issue. Wow, unbelievable, man. Yeah, so I ended up commenting. <laughs> because, honestly, I just thought he was fucking with me. So that's what I said. I said, are you fucking with us? Because uh, <laughs> it feels like you're fucking with us. <laughs> I mean, that's oh. not a real issue. The, the issue is uh, you, the player, but you, you gotta be joking, right? <laughs> right. 
Right. Is this, then, is this like what's I, called a shit post? <laughs> right. And and then, like I said, the flip side was I have I've been reading stories about DMs that are like, I want more out of my players. Like, are you are you serious? How do they get them more involved in my story? But you just don't stop pushing it. There are play styles for a reason. Exactly. Exactly. And and yeah, I know it's a direct contrast to saying one thing for the DM and flipping it to say the opposite for a player. But I mean, you're taking the time to collaboratively tell a story. And if your character is not in any way or means an investigative style character, shut your trap about the goddamn family tree. Why did this dude even mention a family tree? Oh, my God. <laughs> But thank so God, other, yeah, yeah, and thank God, other people of Reddit came to came to the defense of the DM because they just created an entire village of orphans. <laughs> 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 I mean, you you're right, Potato. When when you have something where you're creating things on the fly, you can't always have all that, but you can have an entire book of on the fly NPCs. Which is fine, but I mean, they're NPCs. Exactly, exactly. Um, and one of the most common tabletop RPG, I guess you would call it memes at this point, that I've always hear is, oh, we met this new NPC. Well, what's his name? And then the DM panics. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's because you don't expect him to ask the name. In fact, this leads me into the next bit of my soapbox, which is absolutely ridiculous, by the way. This DM, who was like, I've been DMing for X amount of years. Years, potato. There was not one year. It was plural. Years. There was more than, more than one. It wasn't months. It wasn't hours. It wasn't minutes. It wasn't sessions. It was years. And you know what he'd like his players to stop doing? <laughs> what? One team to kill every NPC they come across. Oh no! The murder hobo syndrome that everybody has because people love rolling dice. Oh, yeah, how do you combat such an uh, uh, a plague? <laughs> right, right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What you wanna you wanna change this fundamental issue of the game? Like this is what players do. How do you not expect this shit? In fact, exactly. It's, the heart of the soapbox that I haven't mentioned yet is that people seem to have expectations of what this game is supposed to be. And then they're all like, well, I laid out my expectations in session zero. I don't know why they're doing this because they need to do something. Okay. It's called <laughs> having want, fun. Roll with it. They, they want to have fun. They want to dick with you and <laughs> they just want to have a good time. All right. I'm tired of people who do not understand the idea that you are playing a collaborative story does not mean it's cooperating cooperating the entire time to a hundred percent. Exactly, exactly. You see, it, think about it like this: you, you got this big story, and you can have it all written out in a book, and then you want to make a movie out of this book. Guess what? The book gets chopped basically in half to fit the movie, and then yeah. you want to make a, a game out of this movie. Guess what? Everything is now tweaked and expanded with different options, a bit more versatility. You don't know what's going to happen now. And then you right. take all that and you put it into a collaborative story building game like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and whatnot. Guess well, what? I think everything is up in the air because now the players are actually can change how the story rolls. It's not 
structured like a video game or a movie or a book. It's wide open. Right. They can do whatever they want. Roll with it. Right. And that's that's just it. If you're going to complain about your players or your DM in a sandbox campaign, obviously a sandbox game isn't for you. Exactly. That's, all, that's the term sandbox as well, meaning you are free and open to explore and do as you please. It's not yes. a, a FPS game. It's not a, a third-person strategy game. It's not Battleship. Oh, oh potato, potato. <laughs> I just had an idea. I'm going to pitch it to you. Ready? All right. Shoot. All right. New campaign. Okay. Okay. It's it's a linear progression game. Okay. You will okay. only move in the direction I tell you to. And you will <laughs> only choose from the three choices I give you. And uh. your, your character cannot have any sort of high charisma so they cannot persuade other players or NPCs and you cannot have too high of strength so you don't overpower combat. Yin? <laughs> and the game will be called Rails with the slogan, you cannot get off of them. Yeah, yeah, Yin. <laughs> let's, let's do it, why not? Uh, I, can I have a gun so I can shoot myself afterwards? Oh my God, please shoot me first. <laughs> <laughs> shoot you first <laughs> i mean come on this the game is supposed to be fun i don't understand why people bitch so much like like you know we've we've talked about the soapbox when the dm is like i overpowered my uh my party and i don't know how to how to correct this like you, you don't correct it <laughs> right you just add eight to everything <laughs> exactly you, you uh you balance it out by upping the difficulty and, and playing it from there. But in that scenario, you are literally trying to correct a small issue you made. It's, a, it's, it's an issue, small, non-issue, however you want to say it, depending on your level of comfortability and dungeon mastering. But to say that your players aren't doing what you wanted because you laid out the expectations, that's... Yeah. Of, of course they're not. No. All right? No. That's seriously, it's anybody over the age of 18 who's been to a job interview in the last, I don't know, forever knows that they're going to go to a job interview like, yeah, I'm a real hard worker. They're going to slack off for the first six months. Right, right. Or vice versa. The people given the interview will say, oh, this is our expectations for our job. Then they get hired in and be like, oh, yeah, you can do whatever. We don't care. <laughs> Man, that sounds eerily familiar. Uh, oh, so ding, ding. <laughs> So uh, it, it kind of follows. There was another horror story that I read where they were talking about the Fallout game. They just recently picked up the Fallout oh, tabletop RPG. I was just thinking about and, that the other day. I want to play it so bad. Well, they were saying that their first session was so successful, their players <laughs> stopped wanting to play by session three because it wasn't the game that they really got into. Huh? And, well, so you know how in the Fallout series you start off in the vault. Yeah. In this person's game, they decided that you were going to start off in the vault, and they were playing a very inclusive, um, open LGBTQ plus community style game in the vault, where um, breeders, essentially heterosexual male-female couples who could have children, were essentially banned, and homosexual love was 
absolutely rampant and open and non-judgmental. And okay. they played this style because a few of the members were a part of that L- LGBTQ plus community. And um, they all really loved that first session. You know, they were they were swinging it. They were having a good time, throwing parties, and they knew that eventually they were going to have to go out into the wasteland. Right, right. Can, can I stop you just for a quick second? Just real quick. Yeah. So, yeah. The, the, what, did, did the post actually say the term rampant with the homosexuality? I don't, I don't think so. I think I used that uh, term. Was it oh, bad? okay. Okay. Well, just because the term rampant to me makes it sound like, oh, they're 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 ravaging the whole land with all their their homosexuality, like they're bad guys running rampant the streets, just just banging each other. <laughs> oh no, I, I no, I, I didn't mean it like that. But it was on the walls, uh, they're out in the cafeteria, they're everywhere. They won't well, that's kind of how that's kind of how the the author of the post made it seem was like, oh, you know, okay, it is, it's everywhere, it's acceptable, and it's a okay. Um, okay, I, I just want to know if it was like. Still behind closed doors in the bedroom or like out in the open, who cares? <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it was really like nobody cares. It's free to do. It's accessible. It's acceptable. And let's do it. Oh, wow. Um, and so. The. Uh, the players really fell in love with that first session and somebody kind of nailed it on their head where they said that the players probably felt like it was where they could be the most like themselves in a game. Ever True. possibly. Uh, and I get that. So when the time came for them to go out into the wasteland collectively, in which the party had said, okay, we understand that's what we will need to do. They said, no, I don't want to go on that mission. Hmm. The yep. DM could easily make the whole story being within the vault. They don't have to go on the wasteland. You're right. But. The DM was mad because they they laid out the expectations of going up into the wasteland. <laughs> and the party said no. And then when the DM talked them into it, they felt like they were being forced to do it and that they were being punished. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel bad for the players in a way, but I definitely think there could have been a totally different way they could have done this. Uh, they they could have had a happy medium at least. Come on. Honest, honestly, I mean, let's let's take out all of any kind of connotation here. If I was going to say something like, yo, Pornhub is going to make a tabletop RPG (laughs) and it's uh, it's all about sex and orgies and you were having a good time playing this. I'm like, all right, now we need to play the second half of the game. And it's where you have to go on the political rampage um, and try to make porn accessible for everybody <laughs> and you're like no nope, i don't want to i just want the orgies <laughs> i mean make them accessible to everybody it sounds like you're going to be selling vacuums door by door <laughs> I'm, i mean i mean come on why why not at this point but, but you know you laid out the expectations i can understand the dm being a little irritated that they were like yeah we'll totally do this and then when the time came to do that they're like no we don't want to but at the at, at the same time i mean why would you want to role play, role play with dice sexual encounters 
in general. <laughs> it's kind of like that Monster Hearts game I was t- telling you about the other t- the other uh, episode. It, yeah, you you need you need the right minded people in order to have fun in those kind of uh, situations. But yeah. if, if the players openly tell you, hey, you know, after a couple sessions, we really enjoyed what we we're doing here. We don't want to go and do what you want to do. Sorry. DM could be like, okay, then you can go, you can stay in the vault or you could even come back into the vault with, with no issue, like a, like a secret base. And then, oh no, what's, what's the secret door you found? It leads to uh, additional expansion of the vault underneath everything. And you can keep, keep doing stuff like that, like exploring the vault more, finding more stuff in the vault. That way the people playing the game can feel like they're progressing in a story. They're not confined in a, in a cube, you know, because that, yeah, that's the whole point of the wasteland. Everything is all open to you. The vault is closed off. So if they want to stay yeah. in the closed off spot, that's their, that's, that's them. You can, you can totally roll with that. Just the fact of yeah. trying to progress the story and make it feel like you're actually progressing. You're going to have to expand and keep everything fresh in a vault. <laughs> right and you're right i mean there are definitely things that they could have done there are ways that they could have gone about it but it's just (laughs) the fact that these these people are getting ridiculously butthurt over over things not going according to plan right if if we had a penny for every dm whose plans went off the rails we'd be billionaires Oh yeah, oh yeah! Watch out, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> right, right. That's right. He took his dick. He took his dick ship to outer space. We're gonna, we're, we're gonna take our dragon ship, dude. All right, all right. Quick, quick tangent. Did you hear the latest thing that Jeff Bezos is trying to do right now? Last I knew, he was uh, stepping down from as CEO from Amazon. Well, I can't. I can't remember where now. I I, I don't want to look it up, but uh, there's this old bridge in this like. I don't know, uh, maybe in Europe. I can't remember exactly. Like I said, I don't remember. But this old bridge, it was like a, like a historical landmark. They had to take it down to do some construction at this one point, And the mayor said, okay, we're going to put it back up. We won't touch it. You know, we, I promise to you guys, we won't touch this bridge ever again. All the people were happy. Then on the other side of the bridge in the bay, Jeff Bezos is like, oh, yeah, I got a 130-foot-tall yacht. I want to go through. So we're going to have to take down the bridge again. <laughs> and everyone's in kind of an uproar about it. And the mayor's like, eh, it'll take a few weeks, but we can take it down so Jeff Bezos can leave with his super huge Godzilla-sized bow. It's fine. But, oh, <laughs> when did he get his, his big boat on the other side of the bridge? Or was I it just could, always there? And now he I'm, wanted to go? He wanted to leave? Right. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he commissioned someone to build the boat there for some reason. God, what a jerk. <laughs> the, the fact that he just has the money to be like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll pay the city to make sure they're happy with this bridge coming down and coming back up. A historical landmark. It's fine. I got the money. <laughs> you know, if I, if I was the mayor of said town, I'd be like, alright, it's going to cost you $300 million to move the bridge and all 500,000 residents they need a million dollars too. <laughs> the thing is, that wouldn't even be that big of a debt to him. He'd be like, "Oh, that's fine." I know, I Dude, know. He would straight up, shit. straight up. If, if I remember correctly, one guy did a math. If you take half 
of the gross uh, money that Elon Musk has, take half of it, it'll make everyone at least a million dollars richer, and he wouldn't even be hurt by it. The fact that none of these guys are supporting and doing anything like that, I understand that they're 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 logic and what they want to do, but just thinking they could, they could be like, hey, we're gonna help out everybody. Everybody's gonna have a big influx of money. Why not? It's not gonna hurt me. I'll, I'll make more than that in the next couple of months anyway. You know what I mean? It's wild. I I get it, and I also understand that you know not everybody's all into giving everybody free money. That makes sense too. Right. Exactly. I mean, exactly. When people have a gross amount of money like that, and they choose to do nothing beneficial with mm-hmm. it, and I don't mean like benefiting me. I mean there are plenty of issues that could be solved. Um, and if I remember correctly, none of those issues actually required a penis-shaped rocket ship to outer space. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Jeff Bezos will probably never hear this episode, but. Congratulations on that a-hole. Exactly, I'm exactly. What's, what's his name from Virgin Mobile who's like, I'm going to be the first guy to outer space. You know what, Jerk? You're a private citizen. You do not need to go to outer space. <laughs> God, we get hit by a vacuum and die. Anyhow, let's talk about that monster. Oh, yes, yes. All right. So it is called an Ugaroth. Ugaroth. Yeah, U-G-O-R-O-T-H, otherwise known as a faceless Hulk. Okay. It is a CR-9 aberration, in Pathfinder at least. Okay. This hairless, leathery giant has no discernible features aside from unsettling whorls across its skin and grotesque slurping tongues. Where its face should be. Bro. Slurping tongues. Like yeah. venom, right? Yeah, yeah, but like multiple tongues. And like, that's his face. Gross. Pretty, pretty gross, pretty gross. Um, yeah. So, of course, he's large size. He's he's basically a, a, a nasty giant. Um, yeah. He has a, a massive great axe. Um, again. Just like a giant and whatnot. In fact, he's able to change his shape to make himself look like any large humanoid form that he wants. It's a bit painful, but he can always recover from it. And what he likes to do, what these creatures like to do, is that they like to transform into giants and sow discord between the giants and the small human folk of the surface world. And would actually take decades in a disguise as like a storm giant or a cloud giant, just to make sure everyone is in chaos within the ranks. Really? Yeah, it's wild. Wow. So, so <clears throat> really, they, uh, they really just want destruction and chaos. Yeah, yeah. They 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 want everyone to be basically mad at each other. Turn into uh, a band of giants to take on a, a tribe of of dwarfs or something like that, or turn into taiga giants to attack the rock giants. Tiger giants. Yeah, taiga giants. That's an actual giant. 
no, 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 not Tiger, but Tiger, like uh, Snowy Mountain. Yeah, I just I don't think I've ever heard them <laughs> referred to as Tiger Giant. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're kind of cool creatures. Um, the the Ugaroth can also do in a special ability known as Explosive Expansion. In its normal, yeah, explosive expansion. In its natural form, a faceless Hulk can expand rapidly as a full round action. It grows one size category larger, pushing back any creatures or objects in its new space. The faceless Hulk can choose which direction or directions it expands from its original space, and it can attempt a free bull rush combat maneuver, which is proficient in. Uh, against any creatures in its in these squares, as it grows one size larger to huge, and of course with the size category being huge, everything but the stats and combat maneuvers one adjusts accordingly. And yeah. it doesn't say, oh, it doesn't say if he can do this x amount of times a day. I think he can just do it. Mm, it looks like it. Yeah, special attack. It looks like you could just kind of do it whenever. So that means that, that's kind of cool. Just just imagine this this fleshy, slurpy tongued monster just also stretching, getting bigger like the Hulk. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> technically, it could do it every round. Well, every round. Yeah. See, At the end of its turn, it yes. immediately returns to its original size. Ah, yep. The last sentence basically always got to read that. Yeah, dude, that's like mm-hmm. reading a book and not finishing the last sentence. I never do. It keeps me uh, satisfied. <laughs> Every book is a cliffhanger. Exactly, exactly. So uh, so what made this creature so interesting for today? What were you really looked at? Um, well, I, I was really thinking of a grotesque monster to kind of be contrasting to the other monsters that we've done. And yeah, I originally was looking up. Yeah, yeah. I originally was looking up Oboleth or Aboleths. I don't know how to pronounce that one. But these Aboleths is actually what created the Faces Hulks. I kind of went down a rabbit hole of what all these guys do. And they're actually in a big war against giants and the human folk. And that's why they made these Faces Hulks. And also another creature type known as Faceless Stalkers to basically sow discord and make everyone hate each other. So the two battling foes will attack each other and not the Aboleths kind of pick up the scraps afterwards, you know? Yeah. And and this creature itself just seemed pretty neat. Oh, for sure. It does. And uh, it's, it's an aberration. And a lot of people, from what I understand, don't really know exactly what an aberration is. They just know it's a monster type. Yeah, it's it's like a corrupted alien-like being. Yeah, one of the big things that it's it's really the draw is it has an alien mindset and a bizarre anatomy. Yeah, so, a lot of the creatures are like Cthulhu monsters. Yeah, that's that's definitely one way to say it for sure. Um, I like to tell everybody when we're talking about any sort of aberrations is essentially it's just an alien. Yeah, um, and the thing is, a lot of people confuse outsiders as being aliens, and that's not true. It's like the other side of the spectrum. Right, right, for sure. I will definitely agree with that. But yeah, oh. with, with the Faces Hulk, I really liked how it had a sense of intelligence to them. It can yep. shape change. 
I, I really thought it'd be a good encounter if it was done correctly. It, like you're fighting a couple of giants, right? And then one of the giants turns into this thing because it was it was kind of spying on them or what have you. You know what I mean? It'd be it'd be pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think uh, I think what we should do in one of our future podcasts is sort of set up our own uh, kind of like a uh, an epic table games audio show um, module. So that way we can kind of develop a few different things. And oh, kind of like publish some small content. Yeah, we'll, we'll kind of, we won't necessarily put it down on paper right away, but we'll talk about th- that development, kind of how to get things going. Because I think that with the monsters you're coming up with and all of my complaints over bad DMs and dumb players, it it would really be simple to develop an open module for our listeners who can just throw it on the table and roll with it and not have to worry about anything ridiculous along the way. Oh, exactly. I, I definitely agree. When you first brought this up, I thought you were going to say that we're going to like run small encounters on the podcast. Like, I don't know, encounter theater. <laughs> I was thinking nah, I don't know that's going to fly, man, but, but th- this makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. And uh, do you ever seen that video from a few years ago of the guys who are playing LARP and they're like fireball fireball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's embarrassing still. Anyhow, let's wrap it up tonight. Uh, guys, thanks for thanks for sticking with us today. I'm sorry I was on a soapbox so much. Um, look, if you're if you're going to play a collaborative storytelling game, don't get irritated with your players. Learn how to roll with the punches and respect the amount of time that your dungeon master can put into the game. It's meant for everybody to have fun and enjoy themselves. Um, Sometimes that means rolling the punches, throwing rules out the window, and just rolling with it. Right, Potato? Exactly. If you got shortcomings, ignore them. If you want to do more, all, all means do it. But don't expect other people to do more because you want more. Right. Absolutely. So anyhow, check us out online at epictablegames.com. And you can also find us at Facebook at facebook.com slash epictablegames. And you. Nope. Yes. You there, the the little child listening to this episode for some reason. I want to tell you to stay epic. Epic table Yeah, 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 yeah.